0: Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mnebauer. That's logos.com slash mnebauer. The Eighth Commandment Prohibits Theft While it might be obvious that we should not rob someone, How does this commandment speak to our overall desires for material goods? Are we people who seek the incessant acquisition of stuff we don't need, or are we people that have hearts set on the things that are eternal and imperishable? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. Today we are addressing the Eighth Commandment, the prohibition against stealing which is the taking of someone else's money or possessions against their will. This is a fairly straightforward and generally agreeable command. We don't want to be robbed, and therefore we know that we should not steal. But in order to understand the heart of this command, we should first examine why someone commits an act of theft in the first place. One steals because one desires to possess something that they don't have. Jesus expounds upon this commandment in the New Testament by stating not only that theft is wrong, but that the storing up of earthly possessions is a form of robbery. We can call this a prohibition against acquisitiveness. Simply put, we should not accumulate stuff that we don't need. Now, why would Jesus expand this commandment in this direction? Well, first, In pre-modern societies, there was a direct correlation between acquisitiveness and theft. If one acquired more money, food, or possessions than one needed, it was in effect a theft of those that did not have enough money, food, or possessions. It was an act of injustice to take more than you needed. We should not eat more than we need while others starve. We should not build a bigger house than we need while others are homeless. We should not buy 30 shirts while others have no shirts. The sin of acquisitiveness has been largely forgotten in modern Western societies. In fact, the ancient words for acquisitiveness are often translated as greed, which obscures its meaning. Whether we desire to accumulate possessions at the expense of others is immaterial, the simple act of accumulation is sinful. This is unfortunate since we live in a society that is both highly acquisitive and highly comfortable. Working and middle class Americans live more comfortable lives than even the kings and queens of the 18th century. We have clean running water, sewers, antibiotics, and electricity, which no one had 200 years ago. Yet despite these comforts, we still spend thousands of dollars on items that we don't need or that we will quickly discard. Advertisements attempt to confuse our wants with our needs, so we convince ourselves that that second or third car, or the latest clothing trends, are essential to our existence. We fill up dumpsters or donation bins or yard sales with items that were bought and quickly discarded. What we should learn from all these trips to the dumpster is what Jesus tells us. Possessions will rot away. Material things by their very nature are corruptible. Everything has an expiration date, and more importantly, we have an expiration date, at which time we will lose all of our possessions. To fixate on possessions is to fixate on the things that are perishing, rather than the things that are eternal. Acquisitiveness is a manifestation of our addiction to the creature comforts of the material world, and it is an addiction that must be identified and combated. How do we combat acquisitiveness and learn to lovingly obey the Eighth Commandment? There are three scriptural activities that will help us reorient our relationship to material goods. First, we give away our possessions. When Jesus encountered a rich man who desired eternal life, he challenged him to sell all of his possessions and give to the poor. We are challenged in a similar way by Jesus. We look for ways to sell off our extraneous possessions and give that money away to the church and to the poor. This requires us to challenge our assumptions of what we need to thrive in this world. Do we need that extra car? Do we need to go out to eat every day? Do we need even more video games or streaming services? If we don't, we should get rid of it. One exercise you can do right now is to take five minutes and walk around your living space. I bet you can find at least $100 worth of items that you don't need and could sell on eBay right now. Sell those things and give the money away. Second, we learn to live on less. While giving away our possessions is a good start, a long-term change comes when we learn to buy less things and spend less money in the first place. This is easier said than done. Our society naturally compels us to live a lifestyle that is commensurate with our earnings. This will prompt us to simply spend more money as soon as we make more money, without really thinking about it. When we get a job promotion, we buy a bigger house in a nicer neighborhood and drive a nicer car. We will actually feel societal pressure to do these things. We call it keeping up with the Joneses. To live in a fancy neighborhood and use public transit would be considered a cultural faux pas. We don't want to look different or look poorer than we are, so we spend more than we need. For Christians, however, our standard of living should not be relative, but absolute. Our standard of living shouldn't change when we make more money, but should remain at the standard in which we have enough to live. A helpful way of thinking about this is to think in terms of class. What would it look like for you to live a class below what you currently make? So if your neighbors all have two cars, what would it look like to have one car? If all of your neighbors vacation in the Caribbean, what would it mean to go camping with your family instead? Try to emulate the lifestyle of those making less than you, then give away the extra money. The biblical notion of tithing is meant to train us in our giving and our living, when we tithe, we set an absolute number, at least 10% or more of our income, and we automatically give away the first money we make that fits this percentage amount. So if I make $50,000, I give away the first five dollars or $6,000 to the church and the poor. 10% is a great starting point because it is at that number that one will usually have to adjust their lifestyle. To give away 10%, usually individuals will have to spend less than they normally would. And lastly, we honor the Eighth Commandment by sharing our possessions. While acquisitiveness is sinful, there's nothing inherently wrong with material goods themselves. God has created the material world as good, and he wants us to delight in his creation. Art, books, entertainment, travel can all be enjoyed, but cannot be sources of our addiction. So how do we learn to move from an addiction to material goods to delighting in God's creation? We do so by striving to share all of our possessions. This we see happening in scripture in the book of Acts, where it describes the first church as a place in which everyone shared all of their possessions in common. Essentially, we begin to view all of our possessions as ultimately not being ours, but instead blessings from God that are meant to bless others. So we seek to find ways in which we can use our possessions in order to bless those around us. So if you own a large house, use that extra space to house someone in midst of a housing transition, or use that space to welcome in a foster child. If you own a car, use it to offer rides for medical appointments for those who don't have a car. If you buy a dishwasher use the extra time saved on dishes to spend in prayer. If you're going out to eat, use that extra time to share it in the company of a friend in need. By giving more, living on less, and sharing everything, the grip that material things have on us will slowly fade. We will learn to delight more in God, in his creation, and our friendships. And our desires will slowly turn away from the storing up of the things that are material and perishable and slowly turn towards that which is eternal and everlasting. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd ask that you tell another friend about us by sending them a text message or posting about this episode on social media. If you'd like to connect further, please visit our Facebook page at This We Believe podcast. Our Twitter at we underscore believe underscore pod, or you can connect with us over email at thiswebelievepodcast at gmail dot com. Take care and God bless.